right, we're here another episode of In the Clinch. Um, not on Zoom, in person now. I am the host, John Cox. My co-host, the international man of mystery, Theo, is in person today. Theo, say hi to the people. What's going on, everybody? A lot to talk about. Um, we have a lot to preview here. We want to talk about 264. We're going to talk about the main event that just happened over the weekend. We have some breaking news with Francis Ngannou and a couple other things that we want to get to. So I guess we'll start right out of the gate with the reaction from this weekend's main event. And um, what's his first name? Gan? Surreal Gan. Surreal Gan versus Alexander Volkov. Um, Surreal Gan takes the decision victory. We just had it playing here. I was just rewatching it. Um, he looked really good, uh, like stamina wise. Like I was surprised at how well his striking looked and everything like that. Yeah, sometimes uh, I think we can get over impressed by fighters' ability to to keep their own pace over five rounds. It's it's much easier to fight at a high level when you're dictating the pace and speed. But even still, I thought Cyril Gon was ultra impressive in this victory. Uh, he really put it on Alexander Volkov, and uh, it looked like at one point, uh, kind of halfway through the third round, Volkov kind of realized that. His stamina wasn't going to hold up against Cyril Gans and against a high-level striker, right? A high-level striker like that mm-hmm. that we've been talking about on this podcast for a few weeks. Uh, you're you're for a long night, so uh, yeah. mad props to Cyril Gan. Um, still undefeated, still very young in the sport, um, and apparently he has some some exciting opportunities ahead of him. Yeah. So now, I mean, that transitions right into what we're going to talk about: the breaking news with the Francis and Gano title fight coming up. Um, everyone thought it was going to be. Francis Ngannou versus Derek Lewis. That looks like it's not the case anymore. It's going to be Cyril Gan versus Derek Lewis for an interim heavyweight title on August seventh at UFC two sixty five. Um, venue to be determined. I think. I don't think they said where it's going to be yet. I'm not sure. Um, I think it's fucking stupid. I don't know why. This is what they decided to do. Why they decided to go this way. But um, I know, and Francis seems kind of thrown off by it. His coaches were thrown off by it. Uh, I don't know what the UFC is thinking, but this broke literally like an hour ago. So, I mean, we're kind of waiting on details. I don't know what your thoughts are. Yeah, from a matchmaking standpoint, I don't understand why you would want a guy like Derek Lewis to take a high-risk fight against somebody who isn't as big of a star like right. Cyril Gaon, especially when you can just hand uh, Derek Lewis a title shot to Francis Ngannou. Not only that, but like you can market Derek Lewis too. Like that's what I'm saying. You know, like, is that even so if we're to assume that maybe Surreal Gone wins this fight mm-hmm. over Derek Lewis and he tries to unify with Francis, mm-hmm. that fight's not as big as Derek Lewis versus no. Francis Ngannou no. and is definitely not as big as Francis Ngannou versus John Jones. So right. the right. matchmaking here at heavyweight, there's obviously a lot of like outside factors that we don't know about yet. Things are going on behind the scenes. That's why we have all these different questions that we don't really understand. Um, I'm excited to see how uh, the details come out over the next week, week and a half, and we're going to find out really what happened. Because mm-hmm. it seems like from Francis Ngannou's side and his management that they're surprised and upset by this. Yeah, they they both... Um, I, I can't remember the exact quote. I was trying to find it. I believe Brett Akamoto tweeted it out. But it was something along the lines of his coach was like, we're shocked, and like we thought that we were getting that that Derek Lewis title fight like next for sure. Um <laughs> a great meme here that they're in a white load size. Yeah. But it's at medium. It's not at the usual large. Uh, and I can't agree more. I don't understand why that it's just, it, it's a waste of time for Francis Ngannou when you have, you made a great point before we started recording. He's one of the few heavyweights that can just stay active because he's so good and he knocks everybody out. And he's said so many times he wants to stay active. He wants to keep fighting, keep fighting. And now they're delaying it um, even longer than they could have because doesn't matter the result of this fight unless it comes in and it's 
uh, God forbid, some Chris Weidman-esque, where it's immediately the fight's over and no one takes any damage besides one person. There's going to be another six-month, five-month, four-month layoff between the two competitors now who would become the unified or the interim champion. Like, You know what I mean? Right. I, I'd imagine, I, I don't know the exact numbers on this, but I'd imagine anyone who fights Derek Lewis does not fight right, yeah. right after that. I, they usually take a lot of time off. Yeah. And same with a guy like Cyril Gunn. You think Alexander Volkov's going to be able to fight soon? Yeah, exactly. I don't think so. So you just delayed this by another eight months probably. Maybe and longer. we're yeah. keeping John Jones on the shelf too because he said he's not going back for a challenger as well. So Right. So I, it, it's... If heavyweight was a mess before, it's a right, complete shit yeah, show right yeah. now. It's a complete fucking shit show. I, it's just, I'm very curious to see what comes out. Um what they decide or what what the reasoning was behind this i think right now all dana said was that he thinks they're both equally i don't even know equally was the word to use but they both deserve it of a title shot which isn't necessarily false but i think Derek lewis is lined up much quicker than cyril Khan, despite the records and everything like that uh and also we've already had francis and Derek fight once obviously we know how bad that was but that was not even really a fair fight in the sense of one of them was, or I think both of them were hurt uh, right and it's like you want a chance for them to run it back too it's it's an easier fight to sell like we were saying and it's a, it's easier to market unless you're going to France I guess and if that's what they want to do maybe since they're both from they have French roots um, yeah if that's the angle you want to take on it but I don't even know how many French fighters are in the UFC if that's right well Fran- if you want to do uh, France a full French card or if you just want to do like a France card with these two guys as the headline or something. I don't know. Mixed martial arts wasn't legal in France until very recently, mm-hmm. so I'd imagine there's not a huge market there. Right. A big event like Francis Ngannou versus a guy like Cyril <laughs> both from there, could like kickstart that kind right, of a right. culture shock over there. But um, you know, circling back to to what you were talking about earlier, how Dana tried to justify this interim chop by saying both Cyril Gon and um, Derek Lewis were deserving of a title shot themselves. Mm-hmm. I, I give Dana and promoters across all combat sports a lot of a lot of slack because I understand part of their job is they have to lie to the media and, and say things that aren't necessarily true in order to promote their brand and, and market what they're uh, producing. Mm-hmm. But we just know that's not true because Francis Ngannou was sitting on the sidelines for years while DC and Stipe figured their stuff out. Right. Was more deserving a title shot than either of these guys. Not yeah. that they don't deserve it, but Francis right, Ngannou right. was undeniable for so long. Right. How long did it take Tony Ferguson to get a title shot and he didn't get one? Yeah. When Connor and Khabib, who still didn't fight that often, but still like at least once a year, right. you could have thrown an interim title shot in there as well. If you're going to say, oh, he just deserved it. Does Leon Edwards not deserve an interim title shot? Yeah, if you're using that argument, then you're saying, oh, these guys are getting title shots that don't necessarily, not that they don't deserve it, but they deserve it less than guys who do, just because they're more marketable, and who's more marketable than Derek Lewis? So it, right. like, it really still makes no sense. And I still don't even think it's a marketability thing. I think there's something going on behind the scenes with Francis Ngannou that we do not know about. Mm. But by, just on like his reaction today on Twitter, it doesn't seem like he was... Yeah, that's that's what threw me off about the whole thing. He seemed like he was very surprised by it. So I really have no idea what they're his doing. His agent said this too, per Ngannou's agent, Mark Helmarni, said this comes as a complete shock to make an interim title so soon. If you look at the history of this division, it comes as a surprise. We hope to get clarity and figure out something with the UFC soon. So um doesn't look like anyone really knows what's going on right here. Right. Um, I don't know who is in charge of this matchmaking, if it's Sean Shelby alone or if it's Dana or whatever it is. Uh, but all I know is it looks like a lot of people are involved or in the dark on it. And yeah. it kind of comes as a surprise to everybody. But Well, I'll get to ask Dana a couple questions. And I've <laughs> yeah, got definitely. a lot of them, so we'll definitely. find out. Yeah, we definitely need to know quickly. 
Um, what's up for Ghana and Volkov now? Um, we already know what's up for Ghana. Uh, Volkov? I don't know. I don't really know. I, I, I would assume maybe a fight with Curtis Blades. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I messaged just you... Just keep him around there, but... I, I sent you that a little bit after the event just because of my immediate reaction was... I believe I said Cyril Gon versus Stipe, mm-hmm. which obviously we know mm-hmm. isn't going to be the case anymore. Yep. Um, you know, Volkov versus Stipe wouldn't be a bad matchup if yep. it's if it's a while after because yep. we know Stipe still wants to take some time off, and I think it'd be a really good idea for Volkov to take some time off. You yep. know, he did take a lot of damage, although he wasn't particularly hurt a lot in this fight. A lot of repeated blows to the head and a very mm-hmm. decisive victory for Cyril Gon, so I'd like to see Alexander Volkov take some more time off. Um but another guy who's going to have to take a little bit more time off, who's another interesting matchup, is, is Curtis Blaze, like you mentioned. Um, I think that's a really, really interesting matchup in terms of uh, will Volkov be able to stop the takedown? Because mm-hmm. we've seen on the feet, if Curtis Blades can't take you down, he's kind of in trouble. Yeah, if you can't, if, yeah, exactly. If he can't take you down, he's kind of in trouble. And also, we've seen just recently, his last few fights, the way he's changed his style, um, both literally with his hair and his beard and his tattoos to all the way the way that he fights he's completely done a 180 on his entire approach to fighting it seems uh and if he if he matches up with someone like curtis blades um i don't know how a fight like that goes for him because I, you want to keep him i think he's right on the cusp of getting right back into the mix but he's got to get a win uh you're not going to get another good high up shot after this if you're if you're not getting one already with someone who's in the four spot like curtis blades i think he's going to have to either Maybe take someone quick fight down low or uh, wait it out and see if they throw him back in the mix. But, I mean, like we've seen now with this fucking interim shit, who knows what's going to happen in heavyweight. I mean, it looks like they're kind of just throwing things out there and not really telling anybody. Yeah, it's such a shame because before I came over here, I had so many strong opinions about who they should fight next and how heavyweight could play as a result of this fight. But now with this news, it just it just kind of throws a wrench in everything. Like if you thought Heavyweight was a mess before, like it's just so much more so now. So mm-hmm. I, I really have no idea, and I, I hope this doesn't hold up the division for too much longer. Because now, when do you think Francis fights next? Like that's what I'm saying. This, like this August fight, like we will find out who wins. Um, obviously, they're gonna have to take a lot of time off, as we've already mentioned. What if they, they can fight early next year? Yeah, I mean this really fucks it up because this is you're gonna have an interim champion. So like. Why would you have an, I don't understand why there's an interim champion when there's a current champion ready to fight. Like, yeah. well, I, I don't know. I just don't understand. I don't. It's just odd to me. The whole thing's odd to me. And, like you said, this completely ties up the the top of the division because you can't give someone a title shot. Not It's not one of these two guys. Like, How pissed off is Stipe Miocic right now? I don't think... I, I think he is. Maybe? Um, I think he's tight. Yeah, I don't know where his passion is as much as fighting goes anymore because I know he said he wants to take time away and... Maybe this doesn't, not that it doesn't mean anything to him, but I think maybe he's kind of getting down. To, I think it's pretty clear he's on the back end of his career. Um, not that he doesn't have good fights left in him. He definitely does, and a trilogy would be massive. But uh, I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they do Stipe versus Jones then now? I, I mean, like that's all I can That's think what of. Dana suggested, and Jones shot it down. He said, I'm not fighting a number one contender fight. Like, I'm John Jones. I deserve a title shot, which, fair enough. I mean, yeah. some, some people would disagree with that, but I would say, you know, if he's arguably the best fighter of all time, albeit steroids, stuff outside yeah, of the yeah, yeah. octagon, but he's still fantastic. So if anyone deserves a title shot, it's John Jones. Yeah. But um, going back to what I said about Stevie Miocic, I don't think that they would throw him in there in this situation. It's just too soon. Mm-hmm. So I don't think he'd be upset at that necessarily. But there was so much time when DC was the champion that right, right. Stipe wanted immediate rematch he couldn't get it for a while they gave Derek Lewis the fight yep. and then 
that it got it got tied up even longer, and then his fight against Ngannou took forever to get to. Mm-hmm. Um, and he still felt disrespected even in, in that moment. They didn't give him the shots that he wanted uh, when he was champion or when he was trying to get the belt back. So now in this situation, it must be frustrating for him to see them so willing to make an interim title all of a sudden when he had the rightful claim to one for so long when DC was yeah, hurt and couldn't yeah. fight. It, it's bizarre because it's, like, it's delaying a title shot for minimum, I think minimum at least six months, if not longer. Um, we have... The August fight, which is in August 7th, that's over a month, just over a month away. Uh, then, like, I, depending on how that fight goes, I mean, God, I mean, we could see a crazy, brutal knockout. And then it's, like, one guy's completely out of the picture. One guy's not, but who knows? Maybe it's, I mean, we could see a fucking Rory McDonald, Robbie Lawler 2-esque fight. And it's, like, two guys taking insane damage. And now they're not ready to go for six months, eight months even. Who, who knows? Who knows? Because we don't know. Um, what this fight is gonna look like? It could be quick as fuck too. It could be right. a quick submission, and everyone's good to go. Like right after, who who knows? Who knows? Um, but I think minimum, it's like if it's any sort of fight that isn't an absolute war, it's like you're looking at like six, seven months. Yeah, it's it's, it's completely with no other options of a title shot either. Like right, it's just no. these guys. Like it's yeah. not even like you could who, be like oh in the meantime next? is it like Curtis Blades? Yeah, yeah. In the meantime, we can't do anything. It's right. like you just have to have these heavyweights keep beating and, each other. And up. like. Whatever this problem may be behind scenes, we don't know yet, obviously. Mm-hmm. But would it be so bad if we just waited an extra few months for Lewis versus Ngannou? Like, if that fight happened in, like, maybe late fall, early uh, no. winter, yeah. who cares? Yeah, who gives a fuck? Who cares? So I don't understand the urgency to make this interim title shot for next month. And it, but it, like even that, it just seemed like everyone was ready to go with Lewis versus Ngannou. Like, it just... It all seemed like it was just like this matter of, like... People were talking about it, like... Like when it's going to happen, and it wasn't even scheduled, really. Right. And it, that, it was just like, but it was so, it was every everything but set in stone. And now all of a sudden, this like. And and we had mentioned in previous episodes that we thought it was weird that they hadn't officially announced mm-hmm. that because yeah. it had been talked about even by right. out of Dana's mouth. Ad nauseum, like so much. Um, now in retrospect, that probably was a bit of negotiation by him to try because yeah. when we talked about what happened with Paulo and he came on Twitter, I said the fight wasn't happening when the UFC officially announced it. Sometimes the UFC will talk about fights that aren't finished yet to try and twist the fighter's arm a little bit. Say, all right, well, we have yeah, to yeah, get right. these negotiations done. So maybe something like that happened. But the uh, last thing I'll touch on on this subject is yeah. that Ariel Hawani tweeted. He said that um, there was a bit of scheduling conflict for August 7th for Ngannou. Uh, that's because he just returned to Cameroon. Yep. And uh, obviously, you know, if you're following the UFC regularly like we are, you're familiar with guys like Israel Adesanya and Alexander Volkanovsky, when they travel to the U.S. Dan Hooker and everything. Dan Hooker, yeah. They've all got a quarantine for two weeks here, and then if they get back to the country, two weeks there. So it's a full month in quarantine for some of these countries. That's insane. So something along those lines was the reason why uh, Ngannou said, listen, I'm in Cameroon right now. I cannot get to the U.S. in quarantine for another two weeks after quarantining here for two weeks and miss a whole month of training getting right, it for Derek right, Coolis. Right. It's, just, it's just not possible. Right. And, and fair enough, if that's the reason, um, I, I tend to believe there's something a little bit more behind the scenes as to why they would feel the urgency to make an uh, interim title shot, but mm-hmm. I, I guess we'll find out. Yeah, I'm just, I, I'm um, like eager now to find out exactly what oh, yeah. exactly the problem could have been. I don't understand what it was, but fucking, I don't know. Um, we'll move on now here. We got some stuff we want to talk about real quick. UFC 264, this is the card everyone has been waiting for it will be 
from the T-Mobile Arena at 10 p.m. on July 10th. UFC, Fight Pass, ESPN Plus, all that good stuff from Las Vegas. Should be exciting. This fucking card is stacked. As stacked as stacked gets. Um, so, I'll do the usual. I'll read off the uh, every card in the fight here. I believe we have a 6 or a 12 fight. 12 fight? Maybe more? 12 or 13? 13, 13 14, fights. Something like that. 13 fights? Okay. A lot of fights. Pack night. Early prelims. These start at 6 p.m. on UFC Fight Pass as well as ESPN Plus. For Starting the night off will be Young... Yo, Young Zong Hu versus Alan Emendovsky. Uh, some tough ones up front here. Um, Zagas Zumalagulov. I have no idea. You're alone on this one. Yeah, Jerome Riviera. Omar Akhmedov versus Brad Tavares. Then we have Jennifer Maya versus Jessica I. Ryan Hall makes his return after two years out of the octagon to fight. Ilya uh, Topuria, allegedly. We'll see if he keeps him. We know you're saying he likes to back out of fights, so we'll see. Then we go over to the preliminary card. That is the prelims. They start at 8 o'clock, and those will be on ESPN, regular uh, regular cable, whatever you guys like to watch at ESPN Plus as well, as well as UFC Fight Pass. Trevin Giles starts off in the middleweight versus Driscus Duplaeus. Then we have Sean Brady versus Kevin Lee. Unfortunately, this fight has been canceled. Uh, I was looking forward to that one. Sean Brady, 14-0 on fire right now. Mm. That would have been a good fight to watch. And, of course, Kevin Lee. Um, good to fight and see him fighting in the octagon as well. Walter Waite. This is probably my favorite fight of the night so far, besides the main card. Um, Nico Price versus Michelle Pereira. Uh, if you don't know who those guys are, look up some highlights. That should be an exciting. This is going to be like if a tornado fought a tornado. That's <laughs> yeah. the only way I can equivalent it. Um, and then, of course, welterweight, we have the legendary Carlos Condit taking on Max Griffin. That'll be the featured prelim bout here. And to start off the main card, that'll be at 10 p.m. Pay-per-view, ESPN Plus only. Bantamweight Sean, Sugar Sean O'Malley makes his return, 13-1, versus Louis Smolka. Still unranked, Sean O'Malley. So we'll see if he can get ranked in that one. Irina Aldana, 12-6, versus Yana Kuznatsiaka. I think is how you say it. Because mm-hmm. not, yeah, whatever. Uh, that's women's bantamweight. Then at heavyweight, Tai Tuivasa takes on Greg Hardy and welterweight. Fantastic fight. Gilbert Burns versus Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. That's exciting. Super excited for that one. And of course, at lightweight in the main event, we have the trilogy Dustin the Diamond Poirier versus the notorious Conor McGregor. Third fight of their trilogy. One one apiece for these gentlemen. And. From the talks of it, it looks like there's going to be uh, no more Mr. Nice Guy for Conor McGregor going into this fight, and we'll see how he does. Lots to talk about here. Lots to talk about. Um, we'll see. Let's start. Where do, where, where do we Where do we even want to start? Where we do can we start, begin? We can start at the early prelims if you want to, all the way back. I mean, we have Ryan Hall, return of Ryan Hall. Two years out of the octagon. Maybe longer even. It might have been two and a half years. Um, you were saying you just, I don't want to talk about this because you're afraid he's going to back out, but... oh. I mean, <laughs> not not even, like, to discredit him. He's just had a tough go with injuries, oh, yeah, stuff yeah. like that. Like, his opponents have pulled out. It's, it's just been so long since we've seen Ryan Hall, and he's so fun to watch. I thought, mm-hmm. you know, I, I was just thinking this. Um, he might be one of the last true specialists in the UFC, a guy whose who's one weapon of jiu-jitsu is just so powerful. It's ridiculous. That he really doesn't have to be a good stand-up fighter. I mean, His MNR role is as good as, like, most guys single leg take jab like, yeah, like he's just yeah. he's you can tell he's drilled these over and over yeah. again he's a high 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 level uh brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt mm-hmm. um but even still in, in his last fight he showed a lot of improvements in his stand-up with with kicks 
Um, his ability to control range uh, on the feet with his kicks is going to be absolutely critical to him dictating when this fight gets to the ground. Because if he can maintain that distance on the feet, then he can also decide when to shoot in, maybe for an Imanaro or a traditional takedown. Who right. knows? But um, yeah, always love to see Ryan Hall fight. Maybe he'll get the win. He'll give us a shrug when right, he gets his right. hand raised. Yeah, right. I can't wait for him to fight. Uh, he's playing, hey, no slouch in Ilya Tuparia. Uh, right. Tapiora. I don't know how to say 10 and 0. I mean, 10 and 0, 24, 12 year difference in age here. Um, obviously, they're the same weight at 145. Ryan Hall's like a half and one and a half inch reach advantage. Um, but this is like a young buck coming up in this featherweight division, taking on obviously a jiu jitsu legend in Ryan Hall. Uh, it's a super interesting matchup for sure, and like we were saying, it's just like seeing Ryan Hall finally come back out and uh, get ready and lace him up one more time. Um, who knows? Maybe he sticks around for a little while. I don't. Hopefully. I mean, like I, I would love to see it because he's exciting to watch fight. And yeah, right. Who doesn't like Ryan Hall? Right. Like right. yeah, he's so exciting to watch. Um, then we also have an interesting one up the top here. Um, we have. What's her name? Damien Maya, or not Damien Maya, Jennifer, Jennifer <laughs> Maya versus Jessica I. Um, you, I was interested in this because I was like, I feel like Jessica I is like a main card fighter usually, and she's done the early prelims, not even just the regular prelims. Um, that's an interesting matchup at women's flyweight too. I'm going to try to find the rankings right here real quick and see where those two are at. Uh, you know, what are you going to say with Shevchenko at the top there? But right, Jennifer um, Maya at six. And looks like Jessica I. Or no, I'm sorry, Jennifer Maya at four, Jessica I at seven. So, right. So if you're a fan of, of this division and you want to see Valentina Shevchenko be challenged, and we thought that she would get that kind of challenge in Jessica Andrade, but mm-hmm. we we learned very very quickly that she was not much of a challenge for her at all. No. Then I'd I'd imagine you'd be rooting for Jenna, Jennifer Maya yeah, in this fight. I was thinking the same. Uh, thing. Because she does present a unique set of challenges for mm-hmm. Valentina Shevchenko. You know, the jujitsu is is her level there because we saw that she was able to control. Uh, Jessica Andrade on the last fight, Valentina Shevchenko, that is. Um, how does that work out against someone whose jiu-jitsu is such a high level, like Jennifer Maia? Right, right. Um, uh, Evil Eye, we, we've seen her fight Shevchenko. We saw how it went down. Um, yeah. I don't think there's much desire to run that one back. No. Jennifer Maia, or excuse me, Jessica I is going to have to string together a lot of uh, impressive performances to get that one back. But uh, either way, uh, can't go wrong with this fight. I'm excited to see how Jennifer Maia... Um, tries to get Jessica to the ground because I feel like her takedown defense is a little bit underrated mm-hmm. and uh, maybe as an offensive grappler outside of jiu-jitsu Jennifer Maia probably is a little bit more green than Jessica I so yep. I'm excited to see how um, how she's able to apply that yeah so I, I, I totally agree with everything you just said I think Jennifer Maia is like of everyone in that division that's closer to the top and that top four, top five, I think she gives her the most unique set of challenges right. uh, with the BJJ, like you said, and also just her size and stuff. She's small. She's compact. She's probably, she hits pretty hard too. We saw it in her last few fights. Um, yeah, she, she presents a unique challenge, but Shevchenko is Shevchenko, so we have no idea. I mean, we could say all this and then it's just like a three fucking 30 second fight. You know? Right. Um, there's another one I liked here in the first fight of the prelims, Trevin Giles versus Driscus Duplaeus. Uh, Trevin Giles riding a three-fight win streak coming into this now. 14-2, and two, his last fight was against Roman Dolaze. Three-fight, or um, a three-round five, yeah, three-round decision victory for him. Um, his first fight since March. So he's kind of staying active here. That was on Brunson and Holland. I don't know what your thoughts on that one are. Um, I, I remember, if I remember correctly, Roman Dolaze was 9-0 and going into that fight, I believe. Or 8-0. and And he ended up kind of upsetting him. 
Um, and I'm trying to remember just off the top of my head. I believe I was in New Hampshire watching that. And I remember being pretty impressed with the way he performed. Uh, I like Trevin Giles a lot, though. I don't know what your thoughts on this fight are. I mean, this is the kind of matchup the UFC makes historically. Um, right. There's not, it's not like boxing where if you're a young star or, or you're a young promising fighter, they'll build you up a little bit, keep you away from a similar type of opponent until mm-hmm. you get to the top. UFC doesn't play around like that. No. They make the best fights when, whenever they can, whenever they're available. Um, so this is really a sink or swim fight for these for these guys. One of them's gonna yeah. win. Mm-hmm. Their career is gonna go up way higher than you know the loser will. Um, They're definitely gonna get a shot after this. One of these two is getting like a significant shot up in the rankings. Or right, even right. Just a good, a bigger, you know, money fight. Exactly. And on a card like this, where so many eyes, right. if you make a statement in mm-hmm. your victory, yeah, right, it could right, right, very well for right. you, and especially at one eighty five. In my opinion, 185 is kind of wide open because yeah, if, if you look at the top, like who is Israel Adesanya going to fight that he hasn't already? You know, we're talking about him rematching people. He just rematched with Tory. We're talking about another rematch next, uh, Robert Whitaker. Yeah, top two, Paulo Costa, Robert Whitaker, Jared Connier, Marvin Vittori, Derek Brunson. Right. Fought four of those five guys already. So. Yeah, and, and, and out of those guys, like who are you favoring against Israel Adesanya? <laughs> Nobody None of them. Fucking... <laughs> exactly. So, um... Listen, but both these guys have a huge chance here to, to make a splash and be invasive in this division. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see how that plays out. We also have Sean, um, or Brad Tavares fighting earlier on the card, too. I think in the early preempts, he's also the 15th ranked in the middleweight. I don't believe either of these guys are ranked right now. Um, just want to make sure I'm not talking on my ass here. But, um, yeah, I'm excited for that fight. And then there's another fight, too, right after that. That's exciting. Obviously, we had the Sean Brady fight versus Kevin Lee. Kevin Lee, I don't know. Did you see why he pulled out? I know it was an injury, but I don't it know. It was an injury. I believe it was undisclosed, but they are fighting the month after. Okay. So it's not too bad. Yeah, okay. So that'll be good to go in, like, another month. Right. Nico Price versus Michelle Pereira. <laughs> like, I don't even know of, like, how much this matters to welterweight, but, like, this fight's just fucking awesome. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, like we were talking about before, uh, it's just going to be, like, a tornado fight. It's, yeah. It's going to be insane. This is uh, if two tornadoes could fight in an octagon. Nico Price is a legitimate insane person yeah both in the way that he fights and the way he carries himself yeah. like when he got a uh, a draw against donald cerrone he was like cheering like he won just because yeah. he loved how chaotic that fight was <laughs> um and then a guy like michelle Pereira, who's been known to attempt strikes strikes via backflip in the ufc right, exactly like this fight is just going to be absolutely insane he's hitting like backwards rolling thunders and like yeah or who did he fight with the slap who the fuck was that uh oh i know what you're talking you know about. what i'm talking like yeah. stuff like that where he's just like open hand slapping dudes oh like, no these guys just are disrespecting showmen. Like. showmen at the highest level and they're also incredibly skilled fighters uh at welterweight makes it so much more exciting because that division's on fire as well his last fight uh has he fought since oh yeah he's fought twice it looks like since the diego sanchez fight yeah. Versus Kul, uh, Zalim. Zalim Amedov. I think that was the dude who was talking shit that he slapped around. Yeah. And then yeah, yeah. Callan Williams. Uh, so two fight win streak coming in. And he had that weird KRDQ versus uh, Diego. Diego, yeah. Diego was... looked at the referee and was like, if I can't continue, like, do I win? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so, I, like, I guess. Veteran move by Diego. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah. Um, that's an interesting fight. And then right after that, the legendary Carlos Condit is fighting. He is fighting um, a dude that I seem to have lost. It. Oh, Max Griffin. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and pretend I know a lot about Max Griffin. I don't think I do. Or maybe I, I do recognize... Uh, I vaguely recognize this guy, actually. 
Um, Carlos Condit. You can talk in length about Carlos Condit and what he means to the UFC, what he means to fighting. But I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but did he not fight on the last uh, McGregor Poirier card back in January? I believe he did against um, Matt Brown. Correct. He fought on UFC Holly versus Qatar. Matt Brown. Oh, okay. Same trip to Fight Island. Yeah. Week before. Right, right, right. Um, yep. Yeah, but I thought he was super impressive in that fight, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and we talked last week about how Matt Brown turned back the clock and looked fantastic right. despite his age, and both those guys have been there for so long. Uh, listen, if you talk to fighters, your fighters, your favorite fighter's favorite fighter is Carlos Condit. Right, you know, right. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This guy is incredible to watch. He always, you know, presses forward, gets into wars, um, super hard chin hits like a truck. I, I can't wait to watch this guy fight. Um, I'm not going to say I pretend like I know a lot about Max Griffin either, but it, it's it's going to be a great fight. Those two guys are very evenly matched from what I do know about Max Griffin. Um, and I believe that is the featured prelim bout, correct? Yep. Featured yeah, prelim. so a lot of eyes on that right before the main card gets started on a Conor McGregor-Dustin Poirier card that could do a lot of buys potentially. So, yeah, good for Carlos Condit in that spot. It's crazy to see his second fight ever was against Jake Ellenberger in the UFC. And now he's fighting, like, some kid, Max Griffin. Like, this, he's been around so much. Like, unbelievable. Starting in 2009, Jeez. fighting now all the way back into 12 years in the UFC. Just in the UFC. 12 years at the highest level. Think right. about that. 32 and 13. Um, and then we're going to move, obviously, right here into the main card. Sean O'Malley versus Louis Smolka. Um, from what I'm hearing, I, I, Louis Smoker, he doesn't ring any bells. I don't know why. Maybe if I, well, he fought Casey Kenny, right? Yeah. Yeah. He fought Casey Kenny way back May 30th. Okay. Um, he lost to Casey Kenny, but he came back and beat, um, Jose Alberto Cunho, or Quino, on Hermanson versus Vittori. Uh, was that after, before? That'd be after, yeah. Um, this kid, I, I'm hearing that he's, like, to be taken serious, but uh, it's just like it's you can't bet against Sean O'Malley. He just reminds me of like uh, I don't want to say Anderson Silver skill wise, but he just reminds me of like like I just like I'm not putting any money against him ever. Like yeah, he, you know. Sean O'Malley kind of is that striker that when you see fight for the first time, you go whoa, like he's, yeah, you can yeah. tell that this guy's got control. On the mm-hmm. Um, listen, Louis Smoke of course is no slouch, but a lot of people were upset when this fight got announced because we're kind of looking at Sean O'Malley like alright like he's really on the cusp of getting a ranked fight like can we get him right, someone who's right. in the top 15 yeah. so Louis Smoker didn't really fulfill that need like we're looking at guys like Dominic Cruz for his next right, fight right, or right. a Cheeto Vero who still is an option even after this yeah um, yeah so you'd have to heavily favor Sean O'Malley here because mm-hmm. Louis Smoker's main um, strategy is on the feet and if you're going on the feet against Sean O'Malley good luck to you. yeah um yeah, it, it, it's just going to be a... Um, I can't advise against anything less. Right. <laughs> trying to stand and trade with Sean O'Malley. Right. I, if I had to imagine, I'd imagine this look. This looks a lot like Sean O'Malley's last fight, where, where he kind of does whatever he wants for mm-hmm. a while, and then maybe he gets the basically. Yeah, yeah. Sean O'Malley yeah. is going to play with his food here. He's a smart guy. Um, he has the awareness within the octagon to um, to understand what putting on a show means yeah. and, and what that means for his stock. He's a smart guy. He's got his podcast, he streams, he's got all these other avenues to get yeah. fans in. So he, big he, fan base. Like, and he realizes the value of getting a finish that looks nice mm-hmm. as opposed to just getting a ground and pound finish. You saw right, that in his right. last fight. Yeah. Which, listen, but, I'm but, advising against because I think you should get the finish no matter what because yeah. you never know what could happen in this right. sport. I was going to say that with his last fight there was a 
time where it looked like he could have finished it, he tried to walk off. Yeah, it wasn't finished. He and thought it was good enough just to get the sweet walk he off. He ended up kind of getting slapped around a little bit in the second round, too. So I was like, hey, you don't know. Yeah. We talked about this with Adesanya, too. It's like, it seems like this is the only guy who's going to beat him is him, where it's going right. to be him trying to be too flashy and something ends up happening. But um, this fight, I don't know if I'm too concerned about that. Right. I, I'd imagine this is the UFC saying, all right, Sean, you're opening May Carter McGregor Poirier, one of the biggest fights of the year. Put on a show. Yeah, right. Get yeah. some fans. Yeah, right. <laughs> Move some tickets. Right. Um, I'm going to skip over this women's band. I don't know either of these girls, I'm being honest. Uh, Yana Kunitsaka. Kunitsaka. Uh, oh, didn't she just fight, actually, for... Did she have a fucking title shot? No. Am I going crazy? I think you may be. Yeah, I think I'm going crazy. I think you are. Who am I thinking of? Oh, she fought Ospin Lad. That was 2019, though. That's, like, the last big fight I can remember her being in. Just because Ospin Lad was so good. Mm-hmm. Um, so the heavyweight matchup Tai Tuivasa versus Greg Hardy this is super interesting um, these are both like like Greg Hardy is I can't tell if he's good like I don't think <laughs> he's good but like I don't <laughs> know if he's good because like he keeps like he's getting paired the only time I've seen um, like he looks great against Volkov uh, even in a loss yeah. even in a loss he looks fantastic but then we saw him against um the fucking dude I can't remember I'll find his name uh, where he got DQ'd for the illegal knee right um, when he was basically just losing and he was just like fuck it I'm gonna knee this guy in the face like yeah or whatever like I'm not like I, I, it was just odd um, you see him look good in first year in DeCastro though uh, knocking people out left and right like it's so I, I I don't know I can't tell if he's good I really can't tell if he's good um, I think it was Ben was it Ben's a silly is that who it was? Maybe? Is I can't remember it? his last opponent's name. I think they called it a draw that was overturned to a no disqualification or no contest or something. I forget. I don't remember exactly who the fight is. But so I've seen him in fights where like he looks good um, against guys that I've never heard of before. Obviously I've only heard of him because I'm a football fan, so I right. if I was a just an MMA fan, I probably wouldn't know who this dude was. Uh but I have to give him credit because he looked really good in the Volkov fight for a guy who got his first real test of actual, like, top-tier talent in the division, and he handled himself well enough. Uh, he was beat handedly as well, but, like, it could have been a lot worse, and he kind of held in there. But then you have a fight like Taito Udasa, who's, like, in the same boat for me, where I'm just like, is this kid going to be, like, is he going to get over the hump, or is he just going to keep, like, he'll have a couple knockouts or a couple big trades back and forth and then like never yeah. really puts the strings together enough wins or something like that like I don't know a couple interesting points um, when you say I'm not sure if Greg Hardy's good or not yeah. I would say he's still very green brand yeah. new to yeah. MMA yeah, yeah, yeah. but just a heavy with extreme power we've yeah he's seen, just an athlete like, yeah we, exactly athletic. super athletic for his size moves very well yeah, considering how freak. massive he is yeah um, and we've seen that a lot in heavyweight, a very, very green prospect with really good power. Mm-hmm. What can they turn into? So I'm right. not really going to judge Greg Hardy too much on, on his early performances. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of those disqualifications are, and then the, remember the, um, what are they called? The inhaler in oh, between yeah, rounds. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, it's USADA approved. Like, that was weird. I mean, yeah. I guess that's on the ref though to like, yeah. you know, it's not really on him. I guess, I guess if yeah. you can do it, do it. Like, you know. Well, and also I think it brings out the point that he doesn't really know all the rules. He's so Right, right. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, and then you, you brought up a point in saying that Tai Tuivas is kind of in the same boat. I would say he probably has higher quality wins. Yeah. And a longer career, way more experience than Greg Hardy, mm-hmm. honestly. 
So um, he's got a better shot. Yeah, I, I'd climb. Say, I think. Yeah, yeah. First guys with actual skill, like, because so you look at Greg Hardy in the heavyweight division. When you've got these guys who are good fighters, right? But early on in your heavyweight career, it seems like all these guys who are just like we're fighting no names versus no names. It's like they're kind of slugfests, or you either like you know right away what it's going to happen. It's there's not a lot of strategy change. It's like either he's going to take you down, hold you down, wrestle you, tap you out, or it's like you're just going to trade with some dude and then. Like, you can get away with that until you get up to that top-tier talent. Right. I.e. and Alexander Volkov. Because we saw Greg Hardy, he was just starching people, like, for the beginning of his career. And it's like, how you can rely just on, like, pure power and athleticism, I think, early on in a career, especially at heavyweight, um, where it's like, how you can just be tough and kind of, like, get up there. But, like, you can't be just tough against Stipe. Like, it's going right. to destroy you. It's going to take you apart and right. to you once you take some actual strategy. So I think that Tai Tuivasa has a better shot to be a better heavyweight fighter and actually climb the ranks than Greg Hardy does. I think because once Greg Hardy has... I think he has a ceiling, and he met it with Volkov. I think that's probably as high as he's going to get. Yeah, I agree with with a lot of what you said. I think in terms of who has the higher ceiling against mm-hmm. that upper echelon of the heavyweight division, it's it's definitely tied to Ibasa. Yeah. Uh, I think, although Greg Hardy could be an outstanding fighter, I mean, he does have... He's, yeah, he's, like you he said, still he's has green. world-class he's power. Yeah, yeah. So at the end of the day, you know... Mm-hmm. Especially at heavyweight, it, oh, that's all it takes is one shot. Mm-hmm. So I mean, he could. Re- I mean, logistically, he could beat anybody. I wouldn't favor him to beat everybody. Yeah, I see what you're saying. But yeah, he's got it, a it shot. could happen. He's got a another shot. thing that I thought was interesting about this fight that I I wanted to dive into a little bit was uh-huh. that it's the third fight before the main event. It's yeah. right before the co-main event. It's interesting. Interesting placement for two guys who aren't very high ranked. Uh, Just some big names. Like that's what I was thinking you know? was that. Everyone so, knows Ty. Everyone knows Greg. Well, everyone knows Just, Greg from football, right? Right. And his, Even of that. course, his outside um, problems that he had. Right. Um, but I was thinking about this from Dana's perspective. I was like, why would you? I would rather put O'Malley there to, to build mm-hmm. up his, his star power. Mm-hmm. But the more I thought about, it, I was like, the NFL is out of season. Right. Greg Hardy brings that audience in. I think he's kind of saying, you know, maybe Greg Hardy gives us a little bit of a boost. Yeah. How much is that? I don't think that much. I think Sean O'Malley just stands for himself where it's like, you can put him really anywhere. People are going to tune in. Right. When's Sean O'Malley fighting? He's fighting at six. All right, we'll make fighting sure we're ready six, by six. We'll watch. Like, you know what I'm saying? And, yeah. Oh, I got to buy a pay-per-view to watch Sean O'Malley fight. Fuck All right, fine. Yeah, yeah exactly. O'Malley's fighting. Fuck Who's it. fighting too? McGregor? Cool. Exactly, exactly. So yeah. I guess I was in the same boat where I was like, I don't understand why this is here and this should be here. But like, yeah. maybe that's, that just shows the star power of Sean O'Malley, that he can probably <laughs> move those tickets early on regardless. Of, right. And... It's gonna be interesting too. Um, a lot, a lot of times, like people don't really notice that like the stadium's empty mm-hmm. earlier on. For the main card, usually that's when everyone comes. But still, like the first two fights of the main card, it's not really full. I want to know how packed Timo Breen is gonna be to watch Sean O'Malley. I really want to find out. I would assume pretty fucking packed. I would assume. Uh, I, I would assume pretty packed. Just, I mean, it's such a good night of it's such a good night of fights. Like you have the fucking Michelle Pereira on the prelims. People are going to, if they're going to the fight, they're like, I want to see the backflip guy. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you want to see to that. To start dude. it off, to start my night off. Right. I want to see the backflip yeah. guy. And even Ryan Hall, if you're like, even just like a lower level, you know, fan, you're like, I want to see Ryan. I want to see if this kid yeah. can still do it. Like, tap guys up. Like, I say kid, he's 38. But uh, it's just like, it's just a through and through, just a great night of fights. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll keep going here to the co main event. I'm super excited. I honestly, I think this is the fight I'm the most excited for. Really? I think so, yeah. I'm. We'll talk about McGregor in a minute, but Gilbert Burns versus Stephen Thompson. I've wanted this fight for a long time. Uh, when they finally signed it, I was pumped. Uh, I love Wonder Boy. I just love watching him fight and stuff like that. 
and I want to see Wonder Boy versus Kamaro. So that's my thing. Well, <laughs> I'll be pulling very hard. I mean, the there's a lot to touch on there. Yeah. Wonder Boy, of course. Who doesn't like Wonder Boy? Right. I mean, the NFF. In, whatever. NFF. The NMF. Yeah. NMF. Um, taking on a guy in Gilbert Burns who is coming off a loss to Kamaru Usman, obviously a knockout loss. Mm-hmm. You know, had his moments. Had Kamaru wobbled a little bit early on in that fight, but um, you know, still a. Um, decisive loss. We really saw the the true levels between mm-hmm. him and the champion Kamaro. Mm-hmm. Um, this fight stylistically is fascinating between Super Wonder Boy. Super interesting. Like, my main question is: Okay, if if we're to assume that Gilbert Burns is going to win this fight mm-hmm. if he's on the ground, not on the feet, mm-hmm. how does he get there? Because his offensive wrestling is pretty good. But good luck getting to talk. Good luck getting to Wonder exactly. Boy. Exactly. Wonder Boy is going to chop up your legs. Style. Oh, I can already see it right now. He's going to stomp on the, the front shin, that, that lead side kick right, that right. kind of like messes up your knee a little bit. Yep. He's going to do that same side kick to the body. Um, Steve Wonder Boy Thompson is a tactician on the feet when yeah. it comes to managing range. One of the best strikers like of all time, for sure. Oh, absolutely. Um, and it's kind of unique, too, because a lot of guys don't use that uh, karate style to this high level. I can I can't think of anyone else. I, I was trying to think of at, like at this level, nobody else is. I was like, thinking maybe like, like I'm not even. I'm like ever like that GSP. I don't know if he did karate or like he. Just, like, he, I mean, he did like, a little bit. Like, yeah, like, but not like it wasn't this is Wonder Boy Thompson's like go to like his, his fucking money making is karate like. exactly. So um, yeah, karate versus Brazilian jiu jitsu. Mm. Also of note, so. We were saying how great Wonderboy Thompson is at karate and mm-hmm. just general stand-up. Gilbert Burns is a world-class ground boy. Yeah, I oh, mean, yeah, he's, fan- he's fantastic. Jiu-jitsu at the highest level even is like a, a world champion in jiu-jitsu. Even Usman would admit that he would tap him out all the time. So it's like, Oh, yeah. And you know how good Usman's wrestling is. Think about how, Yeah, exactly. Think about how good yeah. Usman is on the ground. I don't want a champion who's built his he's built his championship run on the back of his wrestling. Right. Um. And he, you can see it in, the, in their fight. He wouldn't go to the ground with him. Right. When Gilbert's yeah, laying on yeah, his back, like, yep. telling him to come in his guard, Kamaru's not even having it. No. So, um, very interesting to see how this fight goes. I think the first round of this fight's going to be very telling. Mm-hmm. Um, while they're dry, mm-hmm. can Gilbert get him down early? Mm-hmm. And uh, does that send a message to Wonder Boy? Yeah, we could do a whole episode on the welterweight division and what's going to happen afterwards, regardless of the outcome. But um, before we do that, let's get right to the... Um... Oh, real quick. Yeah. Also of note, Still, still fascinating to me that Colby Covington versus Kamaru Usman hasn't been signed yet, especially huh? since this fight is happening. And if I'm Colby Covington... I haven't heard a word out of Colby Covington. I am screaming for this fight before Wonder Boy versus Gilbert Burns mm-hmm. happens. Because if Wonder Boy wins, I don't think they really give it to Gilbert just because he just got knocked out by Usman. Yeah. But if Wonder Boy wins... He's fucking right there. And you're saying, hey, Colby, I know you want X amount of money. Wonder Boy's taking way less than you to fight Kamaru, and he's a fresh opponent. And you're going to tell me that if Kamara says give me Thompson, like that yeah. Dana's not gonna give it to him right away. Right, 100%. exactly. So exactly. Uh yeah, I agree with you. If Kobe Hovind should be yelling from the rooftops if that's the fight he wants. Right. Or if he wants to fight anytime soon. Now we have the main event, trilogy fight, Dustin Poirier versus Conor McGregor three. Um at this point, uh despite the giant poster behind me, my fandom for Conor <laughs> McGregor is kinda like dwindled. Um it used to be like when you watch the Patriots, it gives like you're just stressing the whole time, like I just want him to win, I just want him to win. Now I'm kind of like I don't really give a shit. Like I like I'm still rooting for him, but I love Dustin Poirier too, man. Like I yeah. fucking love Dustin Poirier. I I, can't, I don't want to say I'm rooting for anyone really, and I'm, I'm a fan of fighting before I'm a fan of Conor McGregor. So, I, it like the last fight I was like, holy shit! Like that was so cool seeing like 
Dustin pull Dustin that off. Wayne. Not a matter of like I just saw Connor get knocked out. I was just like, wow, Dustin really did that. Like he put the time in and everything like that. Right. Fucking. Uh, I don't know what I. I get Dustin third round. You TK, think so? Yeah, that's my official prediction. Dustin third yeah. round. Well, off the top, I'm not gonna make an official prediction because <laughs> I have to be an unbiased member of the media. Yeah, right, right, right. But, um. There's just I I've been like I've rewatched your second fight so many times mm-hmm. just in, in preparation to to cover this event it's it's gonna be absolutely insane um you know a lot of people talked coming out of that fight about Dustin Poirier's lead calf kick and how mm-hmm. that changed the fight I mean I don't think that narrative is, is um overdrawn because of, of course I think that was the most significant thing that Dustin did all night other than of course finishing the fight right um you really saw Connor's movement um was limited as soon as those calf kicks got implemented. Yeah, I think once you take that away, it's like right. it's a nightmare for Connor. Exactly. When and he, Connor is a guy who doesn't switch dances a lot anymore. No, he doesn't really fight a lot of orthodox. I don't. I don't know. I'm sure why that is. He might I not. Think, he might not yeah, be as confident. Yeah, orthodox dance. Exactly. I'm the same way. I think he's just realizes that I, the skill level in this division is so high now. Not that it wasn't when he came in, because it was super high when he came in as well. But he is like. It looked like the last fight he was relying entirely on knocking Dustin out, and that was the whole thing. And he caught him a couple of times, and I've heard people say, "Oh, we almost had him. We almost had him." Like I know, but he didn't. Like he, he almost had him, but almost doesn't get you shit in the UFC. Almost like yeah. you got to knock him out or you don't. And he landed that left like flush at least once or twice, and that used to be the kiss of death. And like to see Dustin kind of eat it and be like, "Oh shit, yeah, you got me, but I got you back." Like, uh, I don't know. I just think it's like. When it comes to a McGregor fight, if he either looks leaps and bounds above the person he's fighting, with the exception of the Nate Diaz 2 fight, uh, or it's like Khabib, or Diaz 1, where you're kind of like, oh shit, like, yeah, he doesn't have, like, tonight's not his night. You can just tell, like, right, right off the bat. And I could tell, what, on, on the, the Dustin fight, I remember watching it and being like, oh, he doesn't look like, I was like, Dustin looks fine. Like, yeah. this was the telltale. It was like, how is it going to look after one round? Is it going to be that Connor went in there? and lit him up, and, like, Dustin barely survived, or is Dustin going to look fine, and we know how Connor gets later into the rounds if he's not ready for that fight. Yeah. Uh, I think the the Diaz fight was an anomaly of fights for Connor McGregor. The second the fight? The second one, yeah, because we've never seen him do that again afterwards. Um, granted, he's only fought a handful of times since, but, like, I, I don't think he's got another one of those five-round wars in him, and he barely survived that one. So, if he can't get this fight done in the first two rounds... Maybe even like early of the third. I, I just don't see a way for him to win. I think Dustin's got. I mean, Dustin has been in some fucking wars, like multiple wars with. Oh yeah. That the, the, like, there's no way Connor would ever survive. So it's like he, I, Dustin, can drag him out to that deep water, late five rounds, and end the fight easily. If I think if he can get him there, if it gets past two and a half rounds, I think Connor's surviving at that point, and maybe looking for a finish with the right precision. He's all about the precision and timing. Uh, that's his bread and butter. If he can get that, if he can do that late in the fight, that's his way to win late in the fight. But other than that, I, I think if it goes past two and a half rounds, he's surviving. He's not really putting it on Dustin. But who fucking knows? Like, Man, I, I feel like with Conor McGregor, I, over the past few years when he's been so inactive, mm-hmm. and we've seen him just in flashes, you know, compared to when he was at featherweight, it seemed like he was fighting every week. Yeah. And he was just going through that whole division like a buzzsaw like he yeah was, yeah yeah and then even when he would fight it wouldn't be that long they just couldn't last right. so it felt like even when he was a champion he finally beat aldo 
that lasted 13 seconds we didn't see him fight for that he has like not a lot of cage time for somebody at such a high level in the sport yep um was their last fight at 170 who connor and dustin it was lightweight right it was lightweight okay yeah, so yeah. lightweight again so um for me uh, like throughout connor's whole career i've just had so many questions like there's so many spots we haven't seen him in um the nade fight the first one kind of raised the first kind of suspicions like oh connor gassed out kind of early here Mm-hmm. Albeit he was throwing a lot of fa- flashy kicks at a higher pace than he was used to, yeah. And at 170, opponent change, all that kind of things, mm-hmm. and they kind of hurt him a little bit too. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, that made sense to me. I thought um, his stamina improved a lot considering the amount of time between the first and second Diaz fight. Mm-hmm. Um, albeit still, I still had a lot of questions about his stamina coming out of that fight. Um, you also think he had a lot more to fight for. Right. He's got nothing to lose now. I really want to know what his true motivation is. Yeah. Because if you're fighting for Earlier on, it felt like he was fighting for money. Money set. You're the Forbes highest paid athlete of the year. Yeah. Nobody has made more money than you this year. (laughs) No. Exactly. Like, so... Legacy. Legacy set. You're the first ever double champion in the UFC. Yeah. The first Irish champion. The biggest superstar the sport's ever seen. Biggest superstar ever. You, You have some of the highest quality wins ever in over... Jose Aldo and Eddie Alvarez, like, show right. me a better championship win than those two. Right. Who, ho- That's who the, holds two flies. championship wins better than Conor McGregor at that level? Nobody. Yeah. Nobody. He makes statements yeah. like nobody else. So, um, going back to what I was saying before, the one thing that I learned from the Dustin Poirier fight that I thought nobody else talked about was, oh my God, was his stamina so much better. Who's Go- that? Connor. Or Connor? Connors was oh, okay. so much better than I thought it was because even the Habib fight where he was dominated the entire time really except for uh, a lot of people gave him the third round mm-hmm. and I think officially he won that on the judges scorecards yep. too um, I didn't think his stamina looked that bad I mean it just seemed like he, it got to yeah. a point where he was like alright it's the fourth round like you just I can't seem- get this guy off of me like he didn't seem that tired to me like in the stand yeah. exchanges he still looked a little bit explosive in that third round to me but I still thought his stamina had improved a little bit, but in this Dustin Poirier fight, you know, we didn't get to see it against Cowboy because that, of course, of course again, yeah. the the one thing of Connor's career is that we don't get to see him fight for that long. Right. Um, he came out of that first round in a round where I thought he had a lot of action, both on the feet and in the grappling exchanges. Mm-hmm. He didn't even sit on the stool, which he's never done, yeah. according to John Kavanaugh. I listened to an interview of of his after the fight, and he was like blown away by how much better his cardio was in camp too and even leading up to the finish in the second round at a high high pace right he didn't fade at all so that's my thing his if, if what you I, i'll have to go back and watch it because i honestly don't disagree with you um the the thing is with connor is he's very bad at hiding like when he's when tired he's in trouble exactly when the fight's gonna be over he has he the most a, obvious i'm tired face he has, looks like a fucking smallmouth bass i mean he's like his <laughs> mouth gets wide open he takes yeah. huge deep breaths um because he's just got such a polarizing way of fighting where he starts on the feet early on as fast as he can he's um, very he's also his posture is very chin up very very confident. odd and like, so all of a sudden when he's tired you can see yeah, it in his yeah, body language that's true yeah he has this like aura to him of like he needs like if his his it's part of his actual fighting strategy is to like intimidate and um kind of like I, I, i'm i'm clamoring for the word here but like just intimidate you and kind of be like i am this larger than life thing you're fighting conor mcgregor like make that a center point of like adding to the anxiety of the actual fight but like if you see someone like dustin who just didn't give a fuck and he just went in there and been there did, done did, that. Yeah, exactly been there done that um 
I think they have a game plan for him now. And I think he's a guy who's not necessarily hard to game plan for. He's just been always very dangerous his whole career. Um, he's always had one dimension. He's all, I think he's, unfortunately, one of the more one-dimensional fighters of all time. Definitely one of the most one-dimensional champions of all time. Uh, his striking was just so goddamn good that, like, there wasn't anything you could really do about it. If, you know, if he's landing his shots, he's landing his shots, and it's like, right. it's fantastic. It's you know he's not taking you down, but it's like, you know, he's also going to hit you exactly where he wants to hit you whenever he wants to hit you. Uh, now you just have a game plan for him. That they resort back to the leg kicks. They just If I'm Dustin, I take this as long as it can go. Because you know you can weather the storm. It's just a matter of uh, picking your shots and kind of deciding how you want to do it. Right. I, 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 if I say go to the leg kicks, if it doesn't work, take him down. Like He took him down no problem in the first fight. Or in the second he one. He did. No it, problem. Yeah. It, it seemed like Connor was kind of surprised by that, honestly. Mm. He, he really wasn't in good position to defend that at all. But yeah, Dustin. And we saw Dustin almost choke out Khabib. So it's like, you know, like fucking. It's, Super high level jujitsu yeah, guy. Yeah, I don't think we're going to. He's going to uh, struggle with him on the ground. Yeah. Well, it's an interesting point because in the but last. Who knows? But in the last. If you rewatch John, I'm telling you, you got to rewatch this yeah. fight. Connor just barely outgrapples Dustin. Yeah. He gets taken down. Dustin doesn't do anything with it. Connor gets to the fence. Yeah, so he, got, he so did he get, get to the up, fence easy. Gets to the fence super easy. He doesn't spend a lot of time on the ground. No, it's, yeah, it's really he like less than It was more just the takedown that that was like, I was like, oh shit. Like, he yeah. took him down no problem. Yeah. I think he maybe just caught him off guard, but like. But uh, what really blew my mind was in the clinch, right? Mm-hmm. Name of the pocket, by the way. <laughs> Not a big deal. So, so Connor's against the fence to start, right? When they get right off of the ground, which he gets up pretty easily. Yep. Dustin's able to control him a little bit, but Connor throws some shots. The shoulder shots. He turns position so easily. Yeah, and yeah. you can see him getting the underhook and just lifting his hand out of the He's way. He's fantastic on the feet in any, in in any, any facet. facet of it. Yeah. Against the cage, he's yeah. so good. And right. then in the post-fight press conference, they asked him, they said, Connor, like, you looked really good like in your, in your grappling department. Like, Do you think maybe in the next fight like you'll be more of an offens- offensive grappler? Mm-hmm. And he gave kind of an open-ended answer. He was like, yeah, you know, I felt good in there. Like... I kind of stayed in that exchange longer than I probably should have because, you know, I'm my advantages are when we're at distance and I can throw shots more, like, from a, from a distance, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was like, I just felt so good in the grappling that I wanted to stay there and just keep dominating. But, right. you know, I'd be very, very curious to find out if he does try to grapple more offensively. Yeah. Which huh. I, I could never, I could never see Connor shooting for a takedown. Yeah. But I would not be surprised at all if I saw him get into an exchange where they're Again, grappling in the clinch against the cage, and Connor is more than happy with like riding out the rest of the round against the cage because yeah. he knows that he can beat him in that spot. However, does that carry in the later rounds? That's a question uh, yeah. that we'll have to find out. Yeah, it's just it's weird thinking back because I think you're right. You're making a lot of good points too. So I'm like, what what did happen then? Like, why did he? I think maybe he just got rocked, and it's just like, right. You know, it is what it is. Just a great fight from Dustin too. It doesn't take away from anything what Dustin did. What he did was incredible. Dustin, uh, I think a lot of people kind of are, are not even like discrediting Dustin, but they're just kind of overplaying how much the leg kicks did. Like Dustin Poirier picked up on Conor McGregor's rhythm at the end of this, at the end of the first round, oh, and yeah. a round that Dustin lost. Yeah. Um, in the second round, you could tell Conor's throwing the lead uppercut. Dustin's coming back with a check right hook every yeah, time, yeah. pointing at him every time. It's like, I got you. Like, yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. know what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, the jab of Conor, it wasn't a problem really for Dustin. Dustin threw his own jabs. It gave Connor a lot of trouble. Um, so really, um, if you look at what this fight could be, 
the last fight the narrative was how much have they both improved since the first fight because it was so long ago they both have another weight completely mm-hmm. different fight now mm-hmm. lightweight where the yeah, totally where fight. they should be fighting right. you know they're both killing themselves to make featherweight in the first place right. they shouldn't have never been in that weight class but um now the question becomes okay they're pretty equal mm-hmm. I'd, I'd say you'd, you'd give dustin a slight edge just because of what happened in the last fight mm-hmm. but the question becomes can connor make adjustments six months since their first fight to overcome what dustin was able to do right can connor learn to check a calf kick in six months i'd imagine so i yeah, imagine right. he has a lot of experience yeah. with it already yeah right. uh, so so i think he there's a lot of ways because i remember after the fight so many fighters and, and big names in the sport came out with their own videos like this is how i deal with the calf kick like i, right, I step right, over right, it i right. come out of range i can i can attack with a different leg kick to prevent you from throwing it or mm-hmm. like if you come with a calf kick i'll hit you straight down the middle like mm-hmm. there's so many ways to combat that that calf kick which can give a lot of fighter trouble anyways right. um yeah but just another thing that i thought was was really really um confusing to me is that just ever since the nate diaz first fight mm-hmm. Every single fight Conor McGregor has been in that I've seen on ESPN getting covered by like guys like Stephen A. and, and Max Kellerman, who I'm not giving them like. I'll discredit them. They don't know shit about MMA. <laughs> Max Kellerman's a really, Max really is a smart good boxer. I love Max yeah, Kellerman. His boxing is fantastic. I I feel like Stephen A. gets put in a, a tough spot. I feel yeah. like ESPN's like you have they, to talk about yeah, UFC, and he's like, I cover every sport. What do you want me to do? Yeah, but right. e- even still, I, I have my opinions about him. But yeah. we'll save it for another day. Um, in every big spot that a McGregor fight has been covered since then it's always been um the khabib donald and then now these two dustin fights it's it's always oh if connor knocks him out obviously he's got to do in the first two rounds but if it goes just like he's just screwed like mm-hmm. how disrespectful is that to say of a fighter because i i, under, I understand where the questions about stamina come into play yeah but connor you you said it yourself you think he's like a very one-dimensional fighter i think he's just I just think we haven't got the opportunity to see it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll give him that. I don't think he's got legit only striking, but I just think it's relied so heavily and made him all his money that, like, it's his... It seems to be his only game plan every time, is to go for the go in, trade, outstrike, slip, rip, get in there, get out, and then, like... I, I don't know. It just it right. seems one dimensional. I, I think he. I personally think he's one extremely one dimensional. I don't think he has any ground game, um, offensively. I think he can survive. I think most people can survive on the ground if they, if need be. You're in the UFC, so like, if you can at least just at first survive. Not you're not going for anything. Just holding arms or whatever the hell you have to do. Right. Uh, you can do it. Just to get back up on the feet. Exactly. Yeah. I think he just wants to be on the feet, which isn't a problem. I mean, we have hundreds of fighters that are like that it's just like if you're going to be in these big time fights against these fighters that are all developing and advancing and evolving their game um so much like dustin poirier it's like you have to have a plan b i don't think he had a plan b in that fight i think his right. plan was plan a knock him out and it didn't work and now he's like oh fuck here come the deep breaths i'm getting teed off on no head movement against the cage he's just getting lit up to the body to the head crazy combo from dustin puts the pressure on him i think he's like tom brady where it's like you blitz tom brady to beat him you take the fight to Connor to beat him. If you can right. get up in his face and overwhelm him, uh, then I think you can win a fight against him. But right, I don't know. Interesting point because I was gonna bring that up. Like I can't think of somebody who has made Connor fight on the back foot. Uh, exactly. Like no one's really uh, Nate Diaz at some points in their fights when he realized Connor was tired. And Connor can strike going backwards, but I think Dustin's just more comfortable in the pocket taking punches. Than... This is my point with Connor is that we we've seen him do it. Yeah. 
but not a lot. Not a lot. Because we haven't had to fight them. Exactly. So we there's still so many questions. Like I have no clue how good Conor McGregor is. Right. Conor could be so good that we just can't even comprehend it because we haven't seen him fight that much. Yeah. But he, like you're saying, he could be one to match up. We don't really know. We mm-hmm. haven't seen him tested, really. Um, Devil's Advocate, and I, I hate saying this just because I feel like it's grasping at straws. But, I mean, through Khabib's reign as champion, who gave him a tougher fight than McGregor? Um, I mean, Dustin had I the moment. I would say maybe Dustin. Dustin had the moment where he almost right, subbed Al, him. But, like, but that like, wasn't really a tough fight. I, it was just... I really feel like Al's... It was just like a. It was overstated just yeah, because yeah. he was coming on short notice and like Khabib was just right. like super different. Like I would style. say, Gaethje, uh, Connor, and Dustin are all the toughest fights that Connor gave him the toughest fight, and I'd say Dustin's very very close. And then Justin probably should have, but for whatever reason, he didn't perform on the day. Right, right. So in, if I don't know if you believe all this stuff about how Connor's camp coming in at two twenty nine was bad and everything. I think. I, I've heard a lot of crazy stories about that. I've got some crazy theories, and they're not, and none of them are in Connor's favor. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, uh, like there's just there's so many. If you look, do yourself a favor and watch this interview with him and Ariel leading into Cerrone, uh, that Cerrone fight. Yeah, right. He says some crazy stuff about that camp, and I don't know. Maybe we've seen Fire say like, "Oh, like I, I had a bad camp, that's why I lost this fight." But it, it's, I think he just knew he couldn't beat Khabib. Like he just knew yeah. he couldn't beat him, uh, and it's overwhelming to talk all this insane shit talk about his family his religion all this stuff and know that you can't beat him in the back of your head the whole time I kind of feel like it's the opposite I feel like he's listen me and you aren't fighters (laughs) obviously if we were to if someone if Dana White calls us tomorrow and says John Cox you're fighting Khabib tomorrow you're like oh "Oh, no (laughs) oh no anybody in the top five of the UFC is like let's go we're doing it right now like I guarantee you Connor in that moment was like I can beat this guy I can beat anybody on the planet yeah and okay. I and okay. even still after losing to Dustin in the way that he did I guarantee you Connor is still as confident as ever yeah so um, I, it's just I don't know what the mo- like you said what's the motivation legacy like glory it doesn't fucking get you anything he's already got all the money he's got fucking three kids now like, listen and Connor, he's done it all he's not even like 30 what is he 35 not even I don't is he, even, is he 32 old. even like, I, I think he's 33 yeah like he, him he's Dustin. done it all by 33 like there's no and but I mean if you want to chase the belt still go for it but I, mean, I just don't see the point like if I'm know. Connor I'm just taking money fights from now on this is a money fight it's interesting because now I'm, I'm circling back to um, his mentality heading into the Cerrone fight which was such a strange time because he was so uncharacteristically like humble. nice and humble yeah. and like sportsmanlike that he was saying like I, he when he's out of the gym for longer periods like remember that that time period after the Khabib fight like the time period between the Khabib fight and the Cerrone fight McGregor was just like out of the gym yeah. getting into trouble everywhere he went like he's 32 in, yeah 32 yeah. so crazy how young he is still yeah. yeah like I feel like at this point Connor's just fighting because that's just what he does I guess and he just, just keeps himself it. out of trouble or right whatever. right like, it's, it's a good thing for him and I think he notices in his businesses as well like when he fights and he wins, proper twelve goes up. Right. McGregor fights right. goes up. All these, right. I think he's got August McGregor's his clothing line and stuff like that. That yeah. stuff all goes up. So yeah, I, I think monetarily, um, there is some motivation still there, but I think overall it's just legacy. Like he he ranks yeah. himself as one of the best fighters of all time. He's got to get out there and get us a win that that proves us that proves that to us yet again because obviously he's got a lot in his career. Um, 
but to do it at this stage in his career, I, I, I was thinking about it today. I, I think Connor is like kind of that Tiger Woods echelon of, of athletes where he crosses, he, I don't give a shit about golf. Not Transcends even, the sport. Exactly. I don't care about track and field. When Usain Bolt runs, right, I want to watch. Right. Michael Phelps, I don't care about swimming. Yes, yes. I want to see Michael yeah. Phelps swim. Yeah. Even if you don't watch fights. A Connor it, fight is like a thing. Like it's, it's a Joe Rogan it's said like a it's a thing. cultural event. Yeah, yeah, it's like a Tyson fight. Yeah. Like, like I don't watch boxing, but Tyson's fighting like it's. And so that kind of leads into an interesting question that I had for you that we talked about a little bit is how many pay per view buys do you think this does? The first fight, or the excuse me, the second fight did one point six back in January. Typically, rematches and trilogies will do more than their the predecessor. But I'm gonna um, guess two. I think you really think it's I two. Think two. It can. It can definitely get two, if not like one, nine, five. Yeah, it definitely can. I mean... I can do two. I think this fight... We gotta think of two. It's not just these guys. Like, this card is stacked. Like we were talking about. O'Malley gets a couple. Right. Like, he's gonna bring in a certain audience. Um, Condit, like, he gets the older crowd, if they are still into the UFC. Or, like, if, like, my my dad used to watch Carlos Condit fight. He's not into it anymore. But if his buddies were like, yo, Carlos Condit's gonna be on the card, he might, like do it just be like oh yeah I know who that is and maybe I still know a couple other fighters like, yeah you know I, I even after, even if that's 3,000 buys it's three like you know what I mean yeah I've, I've done a lot of like research looking into how the undercard of a big card plays into pay-per-view buys and usually it's just the main event yeah it really is just the main event because look back at um, especially even, with this one I suppose right like no one nobody bought the McGregor Cerrone fight because Jessica I was on the main card right, right like no one it's it, they, that's right. why they typically don't stack corner cards anymore which is why this card is such a treat for us right because exactly. we're gonna we're gonna get some incredible advertisers before the main event right exactly so um if i had to guess it's hard with espn's era usually we've seen like the pay-per-views are kind of a little bit lower now um he's hard to market to when he's losing you know harder harder not hard, hard to market conor mcgregor but yeah. like harder but also doesn't Poirier is a bigger star because right, of that. Yeah, we saw what happened exactly. with Nate Diaz after he beat Connor. Yep. A little bit different because he has the whole Nick Diaz thing and like yeah, yeah, he yeah. had fans before then and Dustin Poirier still does too to some degree, but the Diaz brothers are a whole different kind of thing on their own. Um yeah. I I'd People say, want to see him lose too though, so who? McGregor? Yeah. So yeah. You know. Which is the Floyd Mayweather model. Right. When he became when he was pretty boy Floyd, then he went to Money Mayweather. Right. He kind of took on the, the villain. He like he turned heel as they yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, yeah, that's kind of another audience that Connor brings in. I guess it's around one point nine. Yeah, maybe maybe two mil. I think they're gonna say two regardless, but yeah, they'll you know. yeah. <laughs> they'll but, tell us it's six, but um, one thing that I think is critical is this fight week is gonna be so interesting yeah. because um, we we talked about it before. Connor said no more Mister Nice Guy. His uh his barge with uh Poray on Twitter are getting a lot more rude and nasty and like hillbilly and all that shit yeah, yeah. call him a hillbilly winks with his ears i still don't know what that means but it's it's um it's uh, getting yeah, a little I'm bit darker to, I, I i can't I even know. think of what winking know. with you like Wink one with your ears? i don't know he's got really bad cauliflower so maybe I, I, I mean i get you know irish people have a, have a unique true, way of stringing that we're that could just be like an irish saying yeah I, like I, I guarantee double love that one yeah, right, <laughs> like, yeah. we didn't really get it all right um, yeah, you're correct. It, it seems like there might be a little more bad blood here, but we've seen this shit with, like, uh, TJ and Cody, where they have, like, bad, like, real bad blood. Like, they hate each other, and then they're dapping each other up after the press conferences and shit, so who fucking knows? Right. Right. Um, and maybe we see that, but I, yeah. I'm, I'm curious to see how 
uh, in this fight week with the bad blood, they're gonna have a press conference. Um, mm-hmm. And that's that'll gonna, tell. That'll that, tell. That'll tell what's what really is like the the mindset of Conor going into this. But if he is aggressive in that press conference and he's talking shit and he's throwing back chirps, getting viral clips, these pay per view guys go way yeah. up, yeah, hundred percent. So so uh, I'll have a more accurate number, I guess, on fight week. Right. Yeah. All right. It's a pretty long episode we got going here, but we have a lot. Or we had a lot to talk about, exciting stuff coming up. Uh, you will be in Las Vegas next week, correct? Correct. I will land on Tuesday. On Tuesday. So we'll have plenty of stuff to talk about. Right. Um, we'll be going back to Zoom, unfortunately, for one episode, but we'll keep this in-person thing going as long as we can. Um, anything else before we wrap? I think that's it. I got everything. No, but um, if you plan on buying UFC 264, uh, that's on ESPN+. Plus. Make sure you do it before the night of the event because we see a lot of crashes with people and big mm. events trying to um, trying to buy it at the same time. Uh, I, I, we saw a lot of problems with the Logan Paul Floyd Mayweather one. Uh, Showtime got a lot of flack on that. Yeah. Connor and Dustin's last fight, a lot of people couldn't get onto that. So whenever my friends are talking about they want to buy a fight, I always say, Buy it the day before, just yeah. so that you can get into it and watch the event and not be pissed off that you spent $60 on a product you can't enjoy on the night. Right. And that'll be at 10 o'clock on July 10th at the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. Exciting stuff, guys. Uh, we will talk to you next week. We'll have something. I don't know if we'll have a full episode. We'll have something for you. We'll have Teddy come in and talk from Vegas and all that good stuff, and we'll see what's going on down there. Um, sweet. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you guys next week. Peace.